This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from Go Abundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for Go Abundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm excited today. I got a guy here that I got to know through our Merge and Ascend program and graduated up to GoBundance, if you will, or at least he learned that he was qualified at some point. He'll talk about that. But he is an investor, an entrepreneur, a father and husband out of the, he's the pride of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, my friend, Dave Garpstis. Welcome, brother. Welcome, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's dive into you. I gave a lot there and we actually had a little, little discussion about a little factoid about you that I want to dive into in the recorded portion of this interview here when we get there, but uh, give us your background. Lancaster PA, is that where you're from or somewhere else? And take us up through today. Yeah. So I was, I was born just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my dad worked in the office repair business, sales and service of copy machines, fax machines, typewriters back when they were a thing. Um, and we relocated to Lancaster when I was about two and a half, three years old, uh, for my dad to take a new position up here. Um, so yeah, I'm practically lived here my entire life. Um, always dreamt about getting out of here, but here I am almost 40 years and I'm st still here. So still doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So tell me about what, uh, what, you know, what you, where did you go like after school, college, no college, kind of take me through your, your career progression up to this point. So I had every intention of going to college. Um, I had, I was gravitating towards something in the health sciences or physical therapy, um, something in that field. And when I was a junior in high school, my brother had opened up uh, a little small restaurant bar, if you will, in the city, Lancaster city, and uh, he needed help. So I was like, all right, well, start doing that. Uh, worked as a line cook for a period of time. Didn't love it, but was it was okay. Um, and then one day, uh, somebody called off. They called off of a bar shift or a lunch service, and I was like, "Hell no! I am. I am not. I, I the I couldn't talk like this to anybody back then. I was like in my own little shell. Had no interest in being around people. And uh, he's like, "Dude, I need you." So I went out. Long story short, had probably the most traumatic bar bar shift of my life made drinks that day that I never even replicated in my career. And uh, I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then I counted my tip bucket and I was like, eh, maybe I can make this work. And, uh, and then that was it. I kind of got hooked in the restaurant game. Uh, I worked for him for a while. And then we opened a bar in Baltimore in 2003, um, had that for uh, four years. And um, in 2007, uh, was running that and then opened a spot back in Lancaster and then ran that up until 2015. We, we sold via installment sales. So restaurant was kind of my thing. Um, never really loved it, though. I, uh, it, it was one of these things where I think the, a product of how I was raised was, was work ethic. I mean, that's one thing my parents uh, preached to us was, you know, you can get anything you want out of life. You just got to work really hard. You know, and I watched my dad work multiple jobs just to kind of make ends meet. Um, shortly, to kind of digress, shortly after being making the move from Atlanta to Lancaster, 
uh, my dad got let go. His position ended up getting hacked. So um, he he ended up taking it upon himself. He started his own business. And, um, you know, I watched, he had that business for over 30 years and just unfortunately technology progressed and uh, his skill set didn't necessarily progress with it, you know, and it became more expensive to work and repair machines than it did just to throw it out and buy something new. And then obviously computers kind of took over everything. So um, that was one of the things that, and we can talk about that later, but I think that was one of the things that I kind of struggle with even to this day. But anyways, um, I just, I always thought that I just had to work until no end and eventually someday things would get better. Um, and in 2012, I met my now wife and that's kind of when things started to change. I mean, she, uh, just a phenomenal woman and fell head over heels for her and realized that I wanted something else and there had to be something more out there. And that's when I started in 2012. Um, we got together, started dating, things started changing internally with what I wanted out of life. And then I was like, all right, I'm just not happy. So I started taking my real estate classes um, in 2014. I would work open to close on the bar, um, run the kitchen in the morning, bar at night, go home at like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, do classes, uh, wake up. And at, for a short period of time, we did a food truck too. So I'd be back to the restaurant at six in the morning. Uh, but that was seven days a week, you know, and, but I was, I was absolutely determined that real estate was going to be my thing and uh, ended up getting my real estate license and was doing, doing real estate part-time restaurant full-time and really got to the point where I hated going into work at the restaurant, which sounds terrible, but I really enjoyed the days that I was getting up to do some real estate stuff. And that's when I was like, I need to make a change. So um that was back in 2015 when we sold and I went full-time into restaurant. Um, into real estate, you mean? Now. You said restaurant, into real estate. Yeah, you went full-time. Yeah. Real estate. Yep. Um, and then my wife at the time, we had, we had had our first son back. Oh. Uh, sorry about that. We, um, we can edit it. My wife, start with my wife at the time. So my wife at the time was working in... Uh, it was called Discover Lancaster. She basically traveled the country promoting Lancaster as a tourist destination. It was a government position. She had great benefits, um, great salary. And that's what kind of made us feel comfortable enough. All right, I'm out of the restaurant, not collecting any money at this point. Yeah. Just go in it full time. And it wasn't too long after we sold the restaurant, I got out. And when I say sold the restaurant, we held all the financing. So I didn't actually get paid. Yeah. So I went from, I went from salary down to no money and 100% commission. And then shortly after I made the leap, um, she went back to work after our second child and they 86 her position. So now we had no income, which was, was phenomenal. Um, but we learned a lot about ourselves. You know, there's a lot to be said about when you're assets to the fire, um, you find a way to make things work and you perform, um, plus having two kids to feed, you know? And it was, it was a really tough two years of, really trying to make ends meet, putting together a plan. I started looking for third shift jobs just because I didn't want to take time away from the family, didn't want to take time away from the real estate. I was like, if I'm going to work, I'll work when people are sleeping and I'll figure out a way to make it happen. And it was just literally the moment I was about to pull the trigger on trying to find a position, we started to get traction and momentum in real estate sales. She had gotten her license, got into the business with me. And, uh, you know, it was all in God's hands. It's the only way I can put it. And and we just gained enough momentum that 
that really just became a distant memory and, and things have been well ever since. So. Wow. Real estate sales have led to investing, correct? What does that look correct. like for you? Yeah. So 2019, we bought our first rental property. And a lot of that had to do with when I got into real estate, I had a, a primary focus. I'm not, I'm not an emotional guy. I can't, can't court people around the house and say, Hey, just picture your family here, whatever. Yeah. Like I can do it. But for me, it was about numbers. Like if the numbers made sense, it's a deal. And I, so I started gravitating and working with investors. Plus I, I appreciated that I could get the same guy to buy six times in a year rather than once every six years. Great point. So that ended up leading to me doing, I was, was top sales agent in our, our company for a while. It was just small brokerage, um, was doing a ridiculous amount of transactions, but always felt like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the table with all this. So that kind of led us into um, making the jump, start buying rental properties. And then uh, really in about an 18 month time period, we went from our first rental property and then scaled up to uh, 100, about 106 doors in about 18 months. Um, and literally utilizing everybody else's, and I hate to say everybody else's money, but understanding yeah. the value of leverage really is what it was. So, wow. All right. Well, we're going to dive into that, the, the leverage piece and scaling that quickly. But I want to, I want to go back to a couple points in your story. Um, first, I, I don't want to skip over this, the struggle you talked about. You said your father's skill set didn't keep up with, I guess, the technology. I didn't quite understand when you said you still have struggles with that. Is it struggles with seeing your father go through that or struggles with, yeah, I, I guess, describe that for me. I think a lot has to do with relationship with money. Um, my parents are very devout Catholics and mm. they were always at peace with, they weren't meant to have money, you mm. know, and that it wasn't important. And my dad always ran his business with, with the intent that he would provide service. And if somebody came to them and said, you know, I don't have the money to pay you right now, he was okay with it. And it's a very humble thing and a very, I think a very unique way to operate, but at the end of the day, it doesn't pay the bills. But I got used to seeing them as a, as a couple um, have 100% faith in God, but always had stress around the financial aspect of their relationship. And that was one thing that I think as I grew up, and I'm learning a hell of a lot about this now going, you know, when you, when you introduced Emerge and uh, you're forcing me to, act, not forcing me, you're coaxing people to ask questions of themselves that they wouldn't typically ask. And I'm learning a lot about myself through this process. And and I have a terrible relationship with money, had, I should say. Sure. Um, I didn't feel I was worth money. I didn't, I felt like it was much more admirable to do something for free. And I felt like anybody who had any sort of wealth was probably some sort of a-hole or, a or stumbled upon it or whatever. So I had all these misconceptions of what money was and it was of no fault of my parents, but that was something that I felt like I inherited just from being you know, in the household with them. And again, not a bad thing at all, how they live their lives. I just wanted something more. And I didn't want that, that stress hanging over my head about money. It's funny, the relationship with money thing. Like I, I feel like I've gone through breakthroughs and then, st and then uh, stagnation. And I'm in that stagnation a bit. I feel like right now I share this with my pod. I had the corporate job. I, everyone who knows my story that listens to this by now, I had the corporate job, made a nice, you know, multi six figure salary, left that corporate job on the promise of, you know, I'm, I'm in real estate investing. I'm doing other things. But I've, I've in the nine months or so since I've left my job, my income has come right back up to where I made what I made at the corporate job, which is great. I mean, that's I'm grateful for that. A lot of people would say, man, you didn't take a dip down. Like, actually, no, I'm making with the activities I do pretty much what I made there. 
but I feel myself settled there. That kind of that, that internal thermostat that we have, like, you know, that like, I, I know what my upper limit is now, and I'm going to have to get uncomfortable to break through to what I think I'm capable of. So to your point about having a bad relationship with money, very similar devout Catholic parents, you know, uh, you know, I don't think they, they repelled money, but you know, frugality or, or saving was always looked down upon, right. It was always like, Oh, cheapskates. Oh, they got all this money, but they're not willing to X. And you, you know, that stuff does it resonates with me. I know exactly what you mean. I'm still always changing my, my viewpoint on money. I guess that helps me with a merge. Like I have to say it out loud. So I tell myself as well as, as well as everybody else, you know, what this is all about, what I've learned from GoBundance members. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that. That's uh, that's hugely impactful. On the bar, the first time you went to, uh, to, to you know, the traumatic experience of, of serving drinks uh, way back when, and then you saw the tip jar. So I'm assuming that that experience, uh, and maybe speak to the introverts out there, that experience probably, probably opened you up a little bit to the, to the you know, the, the concept of being uncomfortable to some extent. Yeah. How does that show up today? Is that, is, that, is that a part of life? Is that a transitional part of life? Or are there things that you do intentionally now I mean, you're part of GoBundance. There's interaction. You're an agent, even though it's with with uh, investors. You found kind of your niche. Uh, you still have to interact with people. And to your point, like being out there and all of this stuff isn't really your thing. How do you overcome that? Or that's not the right word, but how do you manage your your way through that that uh, that uh, you know, sort of natural maybe introvertedness? And tell me if I'm saying that incorrectly. Versus the need to have a level of extroversion or or whatever uh, to exist in the world that you do. Um. Well, I realized I had a lot of internal self-dialogue. I didn't know that back then. I was only motivated by the money. And then obviously mm -hmm. the more I got behind the bar and around people, the more experience I got, the more comfortable I was. And I started to realize that my uncomfortableness came from things that I was telling to myself that, you know, people enjoy talking to me, that I actually knew how to make a drink after a while. Like you don't have to have all the answers. And I think that, you know, that pertains to any, any sort of um, career path, like in real estate, I, for example, when I first went to my first listing appointment, I printed out probably an entire ream of paper of comps and evidence and data as to why their house could sell for X, or maybe it'll sell for this. And I sat down at the table and I'm going through all this stuff. And thankfully it was with a family friend. So I was a little bit more at peace, but I left that conversation and I was like, holy hell, they don't care what I know about real estate. All that matters is they know, like, and trust me. And that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me that, that my, my entire, my, my hesitation had always been, and my reservations have always been about needing to know all the answers and that that couldn't be further from the truth. And that honestly, when it comes down to it, people just want to know that you're trustworthy and that you're going to do what's in their best interest. And it doesn't matter what you know. And I think once I came to the conclusion of that, everything was better. I mean, that first bartending shift, people would come up and they would be like, can I order whatever? Like I had somebody come in and order an old fashioned, very rarely made them back, you know, the type of bar I was in. And oh yeah, sure, I'll get it for you. I ran over and this is back when we used to have a Rolodex I'm back with cards, like with every drink recipe on it. And I'm flipping through this thing and this damn drink wasn't in there. And I'm like, hell, so I grab the phone. I run in the back. I call my brother. He walks me through it. I go back out. And I, I learned to be able to just, I guess, work on the fly, ad lib, pretend, put on a facade and not let people see that I really didn't know what the hell I was talking about or doing. And, and ultimately I was able to gain confidence through that just with the experience. 
Amazing. No, that's great. I think that's uh, that's uh, some great uh, tips. And you were resourceful. You were as resourceful as you could be to get to where you needed to be. I love that. Uh, the bar, the restaurant and bar. You, yeah, the one in 03 in Baltimore, then the one in uh, in Lancaster that you that you sold in 2015. You said in installments. Can you can you give me a little bit more of a breakdown? Like why why not just sell it outright? And what does that look like? Are, are you know are you are you cash flowing as a result of those installments? What does that look like for you? So we we sold an installment sale specifically because the the gentleman who the purchasing entity didn't have any sort of, I won't say track record. They owned another uh, pizza restaurant, but um, they were unable to get the financing they need line, needed lined up without being in and establishing the sales history that they needed. So for that reason, we created, and thankfully our, our, our mortgage is with a local lender and they were okay with us doing um, basically a lease purchase with this other group, but we sold the liquor license um, which was kind of their down money, tied it to the restaurant so that if they ever defaulted, we still, it would revert back to us. Um, and then we basically broke it into real estate, the business and goodwill, and then the liquor license compiled our price. And then um, we financed 95% of it with, you know, we set up a balloon for five years, which they ended up needing to extend. At this point, um, we've got a ridiculous amount of equity in the real estate, um, and uh, basically a notes receivable that shows up on our, our personal financial, which is pretty strong. That is still the balance they owe on, on everything. Um, at this point, we're, we're allocating as much of, of their payments towards us to paying down our principal mortgage. We still had a mortgage in place on, on the real estate. Um, so that way, when they come and clean everything up, the, the windfall is going to be much greater for us. I love it, man. Anything you would do differently? Anything knowing what you know now in structuring this uh, this transaction that you would do differently? Or do you feel like, wow, actually, we kind of nailed it? No, I actually am. I was a little upset that we had to extend. But when I look at things and, and really stretch out the paper on it all, we're gaining a hell of a lot more in interest than than we would have had we sold it outright. So, you know, it's going to end up being a more profitable situation. And you know, obviously not being a tax expert, I think it's helping a little bit with our gain perspective too. Makes sense. Can you on, on that? Cause when you talk about the timelines, I feel like COVID was a factor in some of this, I would guess as far as extending or, or no, was COVID not really a, a reason why um, they needed the extension? It was something else. Yeah. Something else. Gotcha. What do you see? Cause you, it's funny. You said 86 her job. I'm like, yeah, this is a restaurant guy. I have you know, restaurant roots as well. Like, you know, way back when managed a Ruby Tuesday, uh, 86 thing was what we did with everything that people didn't want. Right? 86, the lettuce, 86, this 86, that today's, today's restaurant industry is suffering. And it's, some of it is a, a bit unexplic unexplainable in my opinion, unless maybe you have some insights here. I mean, it's we're, we're in December of 2021 as we record this from what I understand uh, many of the, of the unemployment enhanced benefits have it expired, but restaurants still in my town and a lot of places, you know, are on limited hours, can't get good staff. People don't want to work there. And you talked about, I mean, it's a grind. I mean, working in a restaurant is no joke. It's, it's the greatest, in my opinion, when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, it's the greatest, you know, education on hard work you can get outside of like, you know, breaking rocks somewhere, you know, it's, it's hard, hard, mentally and physically exhaustive work. Is that it? Is it just that the restaurant industry was due for people to run away from it at some point and, you know, COVID kind of provided a, an excuse or is there something more at play? Do you have any insight? I'm kind of curious, just being, having the history you do. Any insights on why the restaurant industry is suffering so much today? I feel like, at least from our perspective, when we were relying on 
a good chunk of our employees were millennials and that's just they were they were the easiest and most flexible with their schedules the pay was good enough um they love the restaurant scene and i mean it, it literally becomes almost like a, a culture you know yeah. how it is it's everybody knows everybody in the restaurant industry if you're not working you're probably out at a restaurant or bar hopping or whatever and and i think through in my opinion Technology has done amazing things, and I think it's provided a level of resources where these people are, and when I say these people, the younger generations that are coming up that would have been perfect for, you know, our employment or our, our payroll are really starting to see other avenues and ways that they can make money. And they're learning the ability to trade less time, but gain more money. And they're figuring out ways to do that more efficiently and quicker, or just looking for jobs that will will not require the amount of labor that's involved with the restaurant. And I just feel, I remember being in the kitchen and I, I didn't go to college. You know, I basically went right from high school to working in the restaurant and the bar. I learned what I learned from either what was on television behind me, what the patrons were talking about, or being in the kitchen where there's kids 10, 15 years younger than me that know more about geopolitical conversations pieces than I could have ever meant or imagined. And I just remember thinking, how the hell do you know so much? And they'd always be like, well, I read it online. I did this, I did that. And I'm just like, holy smokes. Like, so I, I just feel like there's a shift to wanting to work less and gain more money. And they're almost putting, putting their foot down and saying, no, it's, it's, it's not, it's not worth it for me anymore. So in some know. way, in some way, no, it's great. A great. Again, it's all theory, but um, so I get that not holding you to like, that's the answer. Dave Garps just said it right here. That's the answer. That's why the restaurant industry suffering. <laughs> but it's it's you talked about technology evolving past maybe skill sets and that's what that's what your father experienced it seems like what you just described is sort of similar in the restaurant industry technology being what it is it's allowing for a much more efficient way to earn money so you don't have to work in a, rest, a restaurant but we all love going to them still right they're not going anywhere so what's the fix what's the solution how do restaurants you know revive the same sort of uh uh you know workforce that they that they used to have or whatever they need or is it just a different way of doing business. What do you think is the, if you were consulting with a restaurant owner, what would you say the next thing they should do is? Probably create some sort of boutique feel. I mean, anywhere around us, that is not your cookie cutter chain type offering is didn't suffer at all and does really well. And I yeah. think that's part of the reason why like the restaurant, the people who took over our place, they actually thrived during COVID, um, which was kind of surprising doing everything, carry out and delivery. It's, it's, it's that it's that experience when you go out. It's that's not like anything else, and I think that 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 is what will keep people coming through your doors. Good times, bad times, future times, whatever it may be. Um, we were just away on vacation, and similar situation. You go away, and there's you know there's a handful of restaurants not open for indoor seating, carry out only. But then you go to the places that were like mom and pop shops that everybody just kind of gravitated towards because they provided a really unique experience. Packed, waiting, you know waiting list to get in. So I think that that has a lot to do with it is just creating a unique experience, whether it's through your food, whether, whether it's through your atmosphere, whether it's through offering some sort of, you know, mixed media with, with games, whatever. Like, I just think that that has a lot to do with it. And I feel like with that, and maybe it's just a mom and pop type thing, you know, you're, you get that relationship with the employee where they actually feel like they're a part of something bigger rather than just, you know, a paycheck and a number. Interesting. Yeah. So you're creating 
I guess it is what today is. Think about GoBundance and what we do with GoBundance. I mean, the world is developed into communities. The online has created the ability to do that, right? If you're, I've said this before, like <laughs> there's a great comedic bit. If you love dressing like a baby, you can find 500 people down at the Holiday Inn doing a conference on dressing like a baby, right? Like the right. internet brings the world way closer. So it's the same thing. People want to feel connected to a community of like-minded people. If they're in a uh, happening well-run cultured organization of a restaurant, a local mom and pop that's just got this great feel to it. Yeah. You want to go patronize it as an employee, as a customer, but the employee also loves to be part of that. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Interesting. Well, we've also, we've said you have solved the restaurant's problems today, right here. <laughs> Single-handedly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and it was well worth this talk, this talk. That's it. That's all it's about. All right. I want to go back to 106 units in what was it? 18 months. Yeah. All right. Uh, leverage you talked about using other people's money. Can you give us uh, for people listening and saying, okay, I got a duplex in 18 months. You're telling me I can have 104 more units, other people's money. Uh, okay. But how, who give me kind of the, the, the first three, four steps, or just some things that you put in place in order to scale that quickly. So it really came down to two things. One was changing my perception of what private money and hard money was. I, I was always, of the mindset that it's it just was a dirty term. And when I say dirty term, like it, it just seemed risky and that expensive. Too many right. Yeah. One is, um, so I changed my relationship with hard money. And mm. then second was I opened my eyes to syndication. Um, I've always been the person that I just need a little bit of information. And if I get keyed onto something, I take it and I run with it. And I went to a conference with, um, Local local guy, he he ran a meetup and they had one one talk. They talked about raising money, syndication, putting larger deals together. And I was like, that's it, that's my ticket. Because I always love multifamily. I love the larger spaces. I love all the different levers that can be pulled. I just didn't fully know how I could get there. And after I went to that conference, I was like, done. And so those were really the two things that changed. Um, had a couple opportunities fall into my lap through conversations. You know, I I worked out. Um, I was working out in the field and had a pretty, what I consider larger. I mean, it was my largest purchase to date, uh, or not to date. It was the largest purchase at the time with 44 units spread over a handful of buildings in a really up and coming location in our city. And I was negotiating a deal with a client I was representing as the buyer and they just couldn't come to terms. And this was after we had already started buying some single families started, we had done a couple flips and I was like, I had already heard about this syndication thing. And I was like, enough sitting on the sidelines, enough finding the next buyer, like we need to be the buyer. So I sat down and we were very, very fortunate to, um, throughout our, our real estate investing career, through our first single family properties, we, we had the ability to partner with an individual um, who has been, has been absolute blessing to our LLC. Um, he's provided a number of number of things. He provided a ton of wisdom. He's been investing since the late 70s. He's got bankability, which is huge, absolutely huge, but just support. You know, he, He's all about helping us get to where we want to go. Um, so we, I talked with him and our other partner and they're like, let's just, let's put it together. So we just threw it under contract without really having a plan. I really, I had already underwritten the deal just so I could pass along to my, my clients and whatnot. Um, so I knew that there was enough meat on the bone and I knew, I knew what was going on in the area. 
So I was like, we're going to take advantage of this. I will find the money. I'll put it together. There's enough people out there that want to throw cash in the deal. So that's what we ended up doing. So that ended up leading to a couple other syndications. We had two other syndications we did. Um, and then everything else was through essentially the Burr method, hmm. um, using private or hard money, um, finding, ho finding houses that we, we, we linked up with a wholesaler locally who brought us a ton of value. Um, he was new to the Lancaster market, didn't know anybody. Um, he brought me an opportunity. We closed on it quickly. He's like, look, I'll just keep bringing you stuff. And if you don't want it and you want to find somebody, that's great. So we kind of cut him off at the pass and got a ton of inventory for him. So everything we buy from him um, is the short-term rental arm of what we do. And then large multifamily is everything else we do. But it was all through syndication and using hard money. Amazing. You talked about uh, changing your relationship with hard money. Can you? What do you mean by that? Well, in the, the first brokerage I worked at, um, you know, I'm learning the... I'm learning the, the rules of the road. I'm learning, you know, all the ins and outs of investments. And there was a guy and I won't use any names, obviously, because nobody would know who the hell he is anyways, but um, he was always buying properties. And I was talking to our broker at the time and uh, he's like, hey, that guy doesn't have any money. And I'm like, well, he you know, provided a proof of funds. You know, he's got, he's got the capability to purchase. That's not his money. That's just hard money. That's no good. And I was just like, all right, I didn't know any better. So I had just assumed that it was a terrible, terrible thing. And then I started doing some research on it and saw that, yeah, I mean, there's ridiculously high interest rates. Like who would pay that? Why wouldn't you just go to a bank? And then after we bought our first property, you know, it's like, you know, you listen to all these podcasts, you read all these books, you reverse engineer the numbers. You're like, here's my financial freedom number. I'm going to have to go through and holy hell, that's a lot of doors. And that's a lot of freaking money to save up. So I was talking to another investor and He's like, I don't use any of my own money. He goes, I could, I just don't. He goes, I use hard money for everything. And I was like, all right, well, maybe that's something. So then we decided to take a chance on a tiny little house. And, you know, it was what I would consider a home run of how the process worked, but it was enough to whet our appetite and be like, all right, as long as we underwrite it correctly, we're conservative on backend value. Like we'll do this all day long. We just will, as long as opportunity presents itself. So that's just really what we've done. Amazing. You know, it's funny, the uh, the concept of leverage, a guy that's in GoFundMe, a buddy of mine who joined recently, had a couple of conversations, ended up figuring out, you know, a little bit more about how powerful leverage can be. And it unlocked like 50,000 in cash flow for him, right? Like just under 50,000 in cash flow for him. Not bad yeah. for a $10,000 investment in, in a community, yeah. right? But uh, but it was that proximity that taught him that, to your point, like you got around somebody who, who maybe taught you a different way and had to change your relationship with it. That's really, really cool. Your partner that you said is in the LLC, a blessing to the LLC. If you don't mind me asking, how do you structure the partnership? Is it a 50-50 split? Does he get a certain percentage of, of everything? What does that look like? So we, we have, um, there, there's a third partner. So we're just divided by a third each. Got it. So third, third, and then, third, nice and easy. Yeah. And then our LLC, our entity acts as a sponsor or a partner in the larger deals. Um, the first deal that I mentioned, that was the largest that we had done at the time. Um, we're the sole sponsor of that, but then some of the other ones, we, we kind of, I brought the deal together. Um, well, somebody brought me the deal. I helped put it together and helped do the fundraising for it. So and we got equity that way through our LLC. And then again, that gets watered down to the partners. So got it. You, uh, you came to this whole GoBundance thing through Emerge, which is intended to be for, you know, the kind of the future millionaire. When you joined, were you a millionaire? Did you know you were a millionaire? Were you qualified for GoBundance? Tell, tell me a little bit about Emerge. And then you ended up going into Ascend, which if you graduate Emerge, for those that don't know, 
you go into Ascend. You did both. Talk to me about that story that, that you know, before you joined GoBundance, going through Emerge Ascend and, and all of the little ins and outs of it, if you don't mind. So joining Emerge, um, well, first and foremost, not to stroke your ego at all, but- <laughs> Well, let me hear it. I, let me hear it. I, I, <laughs> I listened to a podcast <laughs> and I think you were on Mike Ayala's podcast. I don't remember if it was that one or- Anyway, you've been on a bunch, but I've been on a bunch, yeah. You had introed this whole thought and this program that you were releasing called Emerge. And I was like, man, I've always heard about this GoBundance thing, you know, through bigger pockets. I always hear these guys talking about it. And it became this this white whale of a thing that I I, I don't know why, but I want to be part of it. You know, right. I hear that it's great, but for no other reason than everybody else who's cool is talking about it, I want to do it. So I had no idea. I've done personal financials before but had no idea. So essentially when, after hearing your, your podcast, went on, did some research, signed up for Emerge. And, uh, you know, after doing my first personal financial, after joining the group, realized that I could have qualified. I was just over the million mark at that point. Um, but honestly, the, the number on paper didn't mean anything because I did not feel like, even though I had the financial qualifications, like, who the hell am I to be in this room with these people? I just didn't feel deserving. And to this day, what's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole GoBundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish and what it is to be part of this community in depth. would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. You know, I was talking to you pre pre recording, like, I still don't feel like I belong, you know, and it's not for any reason that anybody in the group makes you feel. I mean, everybody makes you feel like you belong here and you should have been here all along, which is awesome. You know, it's just this, this probably this internal relationship with money, this internal confidence, this internal thermostat we talk about. I think that that's one thing that is limiting with me still that I'm, I'm figuring out ways to break down. 
Um, but I, I can't, I honestly can't thank you enough, man, for, for basically bringing this opportunity because had you not done emerge and the ascend program, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even known that I could have qualified. Maybe eventually I would have, but it opened my eyes to it all. And it, even, even when, when we scheduled this call and I, you know, your mind starts spinning, like I've listened to his podcast. What's he going to ask me about? I started, I started asking myself so many questions that I was like, wow, that's how I would answer it. But like, I have done so much internal reflection and learning about myself that I just, I can't thank you enough, man. I mean, it's, Oh, wow. I won't, I won't get emotional on you, but it, it's been a blessing. It truly yeah, has. And that's that I was not expecting to thank you. That means a ton to me because again, the, 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 the whole process of Emerge Ascend, all of what it was, it was like a, a light switch for me late 2020 when we put it together and okay, this is cool. I'm really enjoying this process. And then once it was kind of fully baked and we launched it officially at the beginning of 2021, that was like the first group went through and graduated and they were saying, man, I got so much value out of this. And it was like, oh, this feels good. It's time to leave. That's when I decided to leave my job to dedicate my, my, uh, I mean, really to dedicate myself to my, what I feel my purpose is, which is to inspire and motivate others to live their best life. And I'm able to do that through Emerge, I, I hope and think, and thank you for saying that because that's, that's exactly what the intent is, is to have the experience you had for all these folks. So I, I do, I take it like when somebody has an issue or didn't like something, I, man, I take it so personally, yeah. <laughs> you know, it hits me like, oh, it's terrible. I suck. I'm a terrible person. But so you go through Emerge and a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't do that, like kind of one sheet personal financial. They don't really know where they stand. It's funny. We've had a few guys like, oh crap, I didn't, I did my one sheet and I realized I'm a millionaire and they jump into GoBundance. But you jump to Ascend next, which again, for those that don't know, is sort of GoBundance without the million dollar requirement. After you graduate Emerge, you go there. Um, why go to Ascend? Well, I guess you kind of explain what, well, talk a little bit more about why go to Ascend and what, what did you get from Ascend that made you finally say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go do this GoBundance thing. Um. From Ascend, I think making the decision to jump into Ascend was really a no-brainer for me, just because, again, there was a lot of internal stuff that I felt like I just needed to spend more time around people that were like-minded to grow and just just gain some more experience under my belt. I had never been part of a mastermind before, um, and obviously to be able to, to be a part of something that is considered one of the best masterminds out there was, was amazing, but I just felt like there was a lot of internal growth I still needed the experience before I view GoBundance as a number of things, but GoBundance to me is more of, am I going to be worthy enough not to be in the room because of my qualifications, but am I worthy enough to offer what I need to be able to offer to the other individuals in the group that they'll find value in me? Maybe on paper, yeah, I'm there. But if you know somebody from whatever pod, whatever region needs a guy, like, can't, do I have what it takes? Do I, am I confident enough in myself to to be that guy that can be, provide value to them. And I just didn't feel like I was there yet. Um, through Ascend and working, you know, when you put us into pods, you know, I really started, as I hear myself talk about stuff, I really start to, to understand that, I guess I do have some experience with the, some real estate stuff. And honestly, maybe not everybody in GoBundance has, you know, the experience and some of the track record that I've had doing some of the stuff I had. So through those conversations through Ascend that we had, that started to open my eyes on like, you know what, you are ready. And, and you, you know, I had reached out to you just to kind of get your perspective and you're like, you live once, man, get, get into the biggest room you can. So that's how I ended up. I love it, man. I love it. So now, now that you're in GoBundance, it's been what, four or five months now, three, four months, August. Yeah. So four months, four months. Okay. Month. Um, 
it sounds like still it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's still that in that like imposter syndrome or whatever kind of keeps popping up. Where are you today with that? Are you feeling uh, like that sense of belonging or is it still a little bit like, man, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, how much I belong in this room sometimes. Does that still go through you? No, um, I, I can't say never. Um, <laughs> my, my pod is awesome. Like I couldn't yeah. be happier with my pod. They're a great group of dudes. Like I truly am blessed. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to gain more confidence that I do belong there. And again, it was never for, for any reason that anybody either on podcast or no. conversations or the thing, they never made me feel like that. That was all internal stuff. So, um, I, I definitely am warming up a lot and, and I can't, I couldn't be happier with it, man. I really couldn't. I've shared before my first almost year, um, I was intimidated the entire time. I was like, all right, like you, I, I put myself here. I reached out of my comfort zone, get in the biggest room, all the advice I got from other people I did. But then it was just like you said, I heard all the things that made me feel small, like talking about buying planes or people earning my net worth in six months, you know, like they're earning my net worth in income in six months. You know, like it was just, holy cow, who are these people? And do I belong here? And what I've learned over time, two things really. One is the best, the best uh, way to overcome that is intimacy with, with others. And I mean, what I mean by that is dive into the pod. It's small, it's, it's tight. You get to know these guys tremendously, but a level below, above that is get in person, whether it's with your pod, schedule a trip or get to an event. Once you're in person, it's like, okay, humans, we're all just humans. We're all trying to do different things. That's one. The second thing, and maybe maybe of equal or more importance, is there are six pillars in GoBundance, right? You have authentic relationships, bucket list adventures, genuine contribution, horizontal income, extreme accountability, and the sixth one, which I can't remember right now. Um, authentic relationships, maybe I'm, I, I, whatever one I didn't say. Um, aged buying health, that's the one. So you have these six pillars, right? But there's a net worth minimum. So financial feels like it's sort of at the top and the rest are subordinate to it. But the thing that I learned by getting in person with my pod is the guys that have more financial success than me, um, you know, they may they may have a, a struggle in a relationship uh, area or with contribution or ideas around health or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying I'm the expert in all of those things, but I can add value in that way to them. And they value that equal to the to the to the financial. Right. Like these pillars are even. There's not one better than the other. It's not financial first, but it feels that way because of the minimum net worth requirement, the accreditation requirement. So that's the other part is like, once you understand, like I can add value and I can contribute in any garden. I can just hold somebody accountable. Like just, just texting a guy who says, yeah, I got to get my fat ass out of bed at 5 a.m. every day, who's worth 200 million. That's adding value to that guy. Hey man, just checking in on you. Let's get up. Let's go. You know, like you don't have to be in shape yourself to send a text to somebody who wants to get up at 5 a.m. If you happen to be up at 5 a.m. Or if you're on the West East coast at 8 a.m. And he's on the West coast at this 5 a.m. For him, easy text to send, right? There's, you can, you can add value in any possible way to these guys. It does not take heaps of like, I'm going to connect you to the most epic baller ever. That's not what it requires. It's just be an ear for somebody. Send them that morning text to help them out. Uh, give them a call when, when, uh, when you, know, you think of something that, that made you think of them. Just things like that across any garden, across any pillar, to me, are what make the difference between feeling that sense of belonging and like you're getting momentum in a community like a GoBundance and that, that, that thing that you and I felt at the beginning, that imposter syndrome, that sense of I'm not here. So that's my advice. That's my thoughts for anyone out there for you, if you're still at all suffering with this, but those were my learnings in the three years almost that I've been in GoBundance. Hope that helps. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you.
<laughs> for sure. For sure. All right, let's do this. We, uh, we're running short on time. I want to do a quick run through a couple of pillars of the one sheet, and then we'll dive into the final question from the GoBundance card game. Let's start with horizontal income. We'll do this lightning round style. What is horizontal income yearly and how many lines is that currently? Uh, horizontal year to date, $58,780, uh, six lines soon to establish more, but that's six lines. Uh, you just want me to keep rolling down? No, no, no. Let's get to how, what, what's your, what percentage are you right now? What's your financial freedom percentage? 25. 25. All right. Is that, are you baking in? I'm curious what guys do. Is that like 25% of the way to having my base expenses covered? Or is that like, no, that's me living the big life, going to Italy for two months. Like that's, that's 25% of the way to me living is in any possible way that I want. Where do you, where do you put your, your expense goal? That's just covering expenses. Gotcha. Get you to get you to being able to be free. You don't need to right. work at that point. Got it. Right. Makes sense. That's what I do as well. Okay. Let's do, jump over to age defying health. How much is your body weight and your body fat percentage? Uh, 165 pounds, 14% body fat. Damn dude. Lean, lean on this topic. You were an MMA fighter. <laughs> Loose, loosely put. Yeah. What is that loosely put? Did you, did you, or did you not fight in an MMA fight? I competed in two fights. Yeah. But it was, it was more, like I said, I, I need to know a little bit of information. And I go all in, I, I trained in martial arts, a number of different things for, for about 13 years total, I guess. Um, but my trainer was always like, you should fight. And I was like, uh, and I, I'm the kind of guy that if I hit somebody, I'd pick them back up. You're right. Like, that's just, I don't have, I, I don't have a competitive bone in my body other than with myself. Like I love, I used to throw packs on my back and would just go out and run for miles and miles and miles. Cause I love torture. I ran 2012. I ran or 13. I ran across the state of PA. Um, wow. it, uh, it started out, it was supposed to be individually. And then I had, uh, I was running with a broken foot by like day four. So we relayed the rest of the way, but it was like 270 some miles. Um, but because I, I, I love that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I, my trainer's like, you should fight. And I was like, no. And he's like, you should. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. So I did it, lost the first one. Terrible. I gave up my back. It was just, you know, I was so starstruck being in this freaking octagon and lights and people. And um, I told you they mispronounced my name when I got introed. And that was like completely took the wind out of my sails, like terrible. But then I was like, all right, well, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get back into it. And then uh, I did it again. And man, I just, it's like you put yourself in that environment and everything that I trained that was like muscle memory, gone. And uh, I, I, it was a sloppy fight, but yeah, I fought twice. There you go. Yeah, Garpasta. Yeah, Garpasta. Yeah, well, Dave yep. Garpstas. Yeah, been no. Called no. much worse, man. Been called much worse. <laughs> the, uh, you got a little David Goggins in you too, huh? With this uh, self torture, you, you like kind of putting yourself through the ringer. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just I think it's <laughs> internal competition that I just like to piece to. I don't know. Gotcha. All right, so talk about family, wife, kids. Uh, you're married. How many kids now? Four kids. Four kids. What are the age ranges? Eight, six, three and a half, and eight months. Wow, done or or more to come? Uh, we were done at two, then we were done at three. We say we're done at four. So, I, can... honestly, man, we've just been we've been living our life and it's in God's hands. You know, yeah. it's we we children are a blessing. I mean, we we started homeschool this year, so it's been a little bit of a challenge, but um, but no, I mean, we're truly blessed. So I won't say done until no more until kids come done. out. Gotcha. Yeah. Eight months, man. Congrats. That's uh, that's very, very new. COVID baby. A lot of COVID yeah, babies, right? They're saying it's the so, next yeah. baby boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All 
All right. Let's uh, what about your life happiness index? What is that? And what category is ranking the lowest for you at this point? Life happiness is a, a, a whopping 3.8. 3.8. Okay. Yeah. This, this is like therapy is needed here. What's uh, yeah. what, what's dragging that down? Well, honestly, I can tell you the only thing that I focus on are family and work at this point, and then my health is okay. But outside of that, every other thing pretty much struck zeros. No adventure, no hobbies. Like I, I just don't, I don't do anything outside of work and family. And that's that's the first call I had with my pod, my new pod. They're like, we need to get you out to do like a guy's trip or something. I just, I don't do anything anymore. I just don't. So is it is it something that you want to do? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I was gonna say, cause I, I, I've kind of come around on this. I forget who told me, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like, uh, like music and dance, for instance, like, you know, for some guys it's like, I don't, I, I'm completely fine not having music and dance. I'm like, in fact, I'm happy. I don't want to dance. Right. So yeah, I, I you say, can take that one out for me. I don't need that. Well, so I say that's a 10 then or nine or whatever. Like, yeah, it's right where I want to be. I'm happy in the music and dance department. Right. But if, yeah, if you're saying, Hey, from an adventure standpoint, like, I want to do my, I want to go on a guy's trip. I want to get out a little bit more than, yeah, definitely rate that lower, but I get you. So you've got, you've got your numbers. Where is your, where are your numbers in the three or four core categories? Yeah. Are they at tens for you right now? Or are they just like, where are they? Sixes and sevens. What's the, what's holding those back? Um, I, th maybe I'm just too hard on myself. Like I always feel that there's improvement everywhere. So sure. I don't know. I would say that's probably yeah. just Osborne good. says can't be higher than a nine. Cause then you have nowhere to go, but I think you can have tens for periods of time. It's a quarterly one sheet, right? Like you can have a 10, like you just got married. That's a 10. It's a great, great quarter, right? <laughs> Versus yeah. maybe the next quarter drops down a little bit, but that's just me. How about contribution? Where, how do you like to contribute? Uh, and in what way? So not the best with contribution, um, total con uh, contributions, 16,000 year to date. And that's, um, compilation of church giving. We give to a community called unbound. And then, um, a lot of that has to do with hours contributed. Um, mm -hmm. I sit on a board for a nonprofit called impact missions and they help, uh, and, and homelessness in Lancaster County. Um, and that's, you know, a few hours a week. And I've been spending some extra time trying to help grow the organization. Um, and try to get things to the next level. So, um, and then I have, I have like, I have like three or four different like junior investors that I'm kind of mentoring now that, you know, I spend probably three to four hours a week, either on the phone or they stop up to the office and, you know, just kind of help them through their problems and, and just talk from experience. So you are too hard on yourself. That is, that is a lot of contribution, financially, time, energy, all of that. That is, that's pretty good. You're like, ah, I don't do too great here. Like I, I, I would say the opposite as an observer. So for whatever that's worth, um, your GoPod, what are you guys talking about right now? Well, we actually just had a call Tuesday. Um, we, we brought the wives on the call. So we oh, thought nice. that that was super, super cool. Um, a couple of the wives just were kind of curious what we talk about and this, what this go abundance thing was. Um, I think two of them, my wife and maybe one or two other wives are actually in the go wives thing. So they had some familiarity to it, but um, yeah, we just brought them on. We um, Brett in our group, he kind of led the discussion and, and gave us some really good questions. And then um, one of the, one of the guys in my pod asked the wives what we wanted, what they wanted us to hold each other accountable for, like the one thing. So most wives want, you know, the, the consistent date nights and those kind of things. So that was a really interesting call. Um, 
That's awesome. I, I haven't heard anybody talk about doing that. That's all. I'm sure, sure, sure maybe others have, but that's the first time somebody's talked about that. That's a, that's a great idea. It, it was super cool. We, we were really happy we did it. Yeah. It exposes, uh, yeah, like you said, it's not just some boys club. You guys are actually, you know, doing things to make each other better, which is great. How about adventure? You talked about not having enough. Are you going to Park City? Yeah, that's the plan. I haven't booked the ticket yet. I was trying to get clarification and probably not for the podcast, but just details with vaccination requirements and things. But um, that's neither here nor there. I need gotcha. to book the ticket. I will book gotcha. the ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're selling out. They're getting close to kind of the max there. So be careful about that. But for I'll, sure, I'll yeah, if you need anything, it. let me know. I can connect you with whoever you need to. So, all right, let's Good. wrap it up with a question from the GoBundance card game, the lovely five of clubs. What is something you are looking forward to celebrating in the future? Um, well, this year I just celebrated my one year anniversary for kidney donation, which was awesome. Um, I'm look, looking to be able to continue doing that, hopefully successfully with the, the recipient over, you know, many more years to come. You donated um, a kidney? Yeah, back in 2020, midst the COVID, it was pretty crazy. It was a good time. You To, to who? Like, I'm not um, the person, but like a relative, a friend, somebody, uh, yeah. The gentleman I met through real estate, he worked in our office for a hot minute and um, young guy, younger than I am, and just was uh, was feeling, uh, I didn't even, I don't go on Facebook and my mother-in-law's like, did you hear what's going on with him? He left the office, went for another, work for another brokerage and, um, you know, she told me he was in need of a kidney and at that time, I didn't even know what my blood type was, but I was driving in the car, I still remember what I was wearing, where I was driving, what time of day it was, and I had this crazy sensation, chills came over my body. And that clear image of me in a hospital room with him. And I was like, I'm donating my kidney. And so I pull into the parking lot at the grocery store, get on the phone with my wife. And she was calling me about, I don't know, something random. And I said, how would you feel if I donated my kidney? She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I said, I don't even know if I'm a match, but I just, I, I've always felt like this is probably going off on a tangent, but I feel like if it would be like you saying, Dave, you know, my car broke down, you know, I need help. And I had an extra car, but all I said was, I'll say a prayer for Jamie that he gets a situation figured out when I could have given you the car. I felt like me just saying prayers and hoping that this guy was going to be okay was not enough if I was a viable option for him. So I decided to pursue testing. I learned more about my body that day than, well, through the months of testing than I probably ever needed to know. I pissed in more containers that, I mean, walked around with a gas container for, days at a time, just anytime you have to go to the bathroom, that's your John. Um, but ended up finding out I was an identical match for the gentleman. And it was just, uh, it was, a, it hurt. I'm not going to lie. It freaking hurt bad. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was the most rewarding and fulfilling experience I've ever been a part of. You, you a moment ago, just to be clear here, to remind the listeners said, you're not sure you're doing so great in the contribution garden. You've given a kidney to somebody yeah but that's that's what i was supposed to do i get it but my point is contribution seems to be part and parcel of your being of who you are like you are a giver and uh man talk about a look no one's calling you dave garpasta in GoBundance anymore you will be known Thank as you. gabe garpstis after this interview dude this was killer 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 man all right we're at we're at the end of the time i, I want to honor your time how do people get a hold of you how do people reach out to you what's the best way to, uh, where do you want to direct folks uh, honestly, I'm on Facebook. I don't go on it too terribly much. Uh, Gmail, um, dgarpstis at gmail.com um, or my cell, 
man. I'd love this, to link up with anybody. This has been a total pleasure. I cannot wait to hug and meet you in Park City, man. You, I, wow. This is, I'll be honest with you, one of those interviews where I know you, you're a GoBundance guy, I know you've done some good stuff, but the layers and layers that you just went through ending with this, you know, oh, by the way, I gave up one of my organs to somebody to help them. Wow. This was incredible. I want to thank you for the time today because I just got, I got, you inspired me to, to, to just, I don't know, do more with my life today, man. Damn. Unbelievable. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in Park City. Jamie, can't thank you enough for all you've done, man. Changed my life. All right, bro. Thank you for that. We'll talk soon. All right. See you, bud. Bye. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.